Welcome to For God's Girls, a place to find encouragement, joy, and strength to be a young lady after God's own heart. My name is Melody Hansen. I'm a blessed wife, lucky mom of two handsome young men, and one adorable little girl, a sister, and most importantly, a daughter of the one true king. I long to be salt and light to a generation of young ladies who seek to know God and follow in His ways. Young women after God's own heart. I intend to fill each episode in the For God's Girls podcast with fun, like studying God's Word together, aligning our thoughts, ideas, and actions with God's truth, sharing a biblical worldview in a darkening culture, answering your questions, and sharing your experiences. Come on in and get cozy. Let's see what the Lord has in store for His girls today. Happy Sunday, ladies. Welcome to the official first episode of the For God's Girls podcast. I'm so excited we have found each other in this little corner of the internet. How are you doing out there where you're at? Boy, the sun is finally shining here in Oklahoma. After record snowfall and cold temperatures, it is a welcome sight, let me tell you. I hope you're staying warm and well. Today, we are going to dive into the topic of how to be strong for the Lord in your youth. We're going to tackle this topic for the next couple of episodes, you know, because it is just one I love. And I think it is so important in the world we live in today um, just to be strong for the Lord in your youth. You know, this is not something that is new to your generation or to your group of friends. Um, the struggle to be strong in the Lord in your youth. Um, I really think that it started this battle. <laughs> well, back in the garden of of Eden, obviously, but um, just in our culture, in our nation, where I can look back at the point in history and kind of see a, a marked difference in the way that people were um, looking at teenagers and the expectations that they had on teenagers. At this point in history, I feel like the pendulum turned and switched and started swinging in a different direction. And that would be, quite frankly, the generation before my own, um, when MTV really got going and the Madonnas of the world and the Christina Aguilera's and, um, you know, they, they were uplifting teenagers to the celebrity status and putting them in the spotlight and it just, it kind of bred this culture of um, me first and being young at heart, meaning something completely different than being young at heart uh, meant for generations before them. And it meant that it was okay to break the rules. It was okay to break the mold. It was okay to break the, break the, the, um, this, this idea that you were a goody two-shoes or that, um, you know, we did things to honor our parents and to respect them. And in fact, quite the opposite to 
break their rules and to look at them like they are ancient and they have they have lost um, a sense of reality. And that's just not that's just not true. Those are all lies from the enemy. And so before we can really roll up our sleeves and discuss all the ways that you and that I can be strong in the Lord and especially in your youth, I am convinced it is extremely important for us to know that we can trust God and his word, the Bible, his word and his truth, a hundred percent without any, any doubt at all. We can trust what he says about himself and what he says about us. And it is the only place that we can go to find truth with the Holy Spirit as our guide and our teacher, uh, illuminating the passages for us, helping us to understand it. But really, it is the only place that we can go, I feel like, in today's world and culture and um, with the news and social media and all of the things, all of the different voices that we are combating daily, that I know you as a young woman are combating daily. The Bible is the only place we can go undeniably and find truth for the day that we live in, for um, correcting our emotions and our feelings to align them with with God and, um, and how he wants us to react and respond to the people around us and the situations that we're put into. And so Today, I really want to just focus on a couple of places in the Bible where I can prove to you that the Bible is unbelievable, that it is miraculous, that it is exactly what it says that it is, a book of truth, a guide for all the ages, that it is alive and breathing today as it was yesterday and as it will be tomorrow. And so grab your Bible and I want you to first open up to Genesis chapter five and six. And um, we're gonna look at this account of the Tower of Babel and the wickedness of humankind. And because you know, we are all wicked at at heart. God tells us that we are fallen. There is not one of us that is good, not one of us that deserves his his mercy and his grace that he so willingly bestows upon us. And so when we look at Genesis 5 and 6, we see the first couple of generations that have... um, that have come onto the scene. They have left the garden. Adam and Eve have left the garden and family after family, generation after generation has gotten to this point. Um, and this is right before uh, Noah and the ark and the great flood. And so we're looking at the tower of, of um, Babel that happens right before this. And, and chapter six just denotes how wicked humankind has become to this point that there is just there's only one family lineage that that goes from Adam to Noah that has been um, their hearts are still seeking the Lord 
And so in chapter five, this is just amazing. In chapter five, it gives you the descendants of Adam to Noah and his sons. And so when you go through here and you see that when God created humankind, he made them in the likeness of God, male and female, he created them and he blessed them and he named them humankind when they were created. And then it goes on to give the account of, um, you know, when Adam lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his likeness, according to his image and named him Seth. Well, this just shows, you know, that we were, we, sin has come into the world and has made us fallen. And so um, we are made in the likeness of Adam. We are created in the image of God, but we are made in the likeness of Adam, meaning that we have been born into sin because of Adam and Eve's choice. And we all, if we go back there, we all would have made that choice. We all would have made the choice to, to, um, to doubt, to doubt whether God was telling us what uh, was true or not because of the deceiver, that Satan. And he still does that today. And so, so when we go through here, this is just so awesome. We go through here and we can count the generations and the family groups. Um, excuse I'm so sorry. I'm totally telling you to look in the wrong spot. Okay. I am truly, okay, chapter 10 and chapter 11. Um, so that list of from Adam to Noah is important for sure. But the list I really want to look at that is completely amazing is found in Genesis chapter 10, with starting with the descendants of Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, so when we count up these family groups, that came from the lineage of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, because after the flood, after that wickedness of mankind, God destroys everything, all of the people, except for Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives. And so they come off of the ark and they start repopulating the world again with their children. And so chapter 10 lists those accounts of those families. Okay, so then the Tower of Babel happens. So they were defiant to the Lord again, right? pretty much right away. Um, they decided that they wanted to make a name for themselves. And God had told them very specifically to be fruitful, multiply, and to go fill the earth. He tells them specifically to spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Well, and what do they do? They don't do that. They... <laughs> They stay in one place saying, let's come together and let's make a name for ourselves, not for the Lord's name to be known, but for our name to be known. And so what does God do? God confuses their language there. It says in chapter 11, verse 7, it says, come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. Okay, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Okay, so here's the cool thing. So when you take all of these languages, right, because God confuses the languages, 
So linguists, people who study language and the roots of where language comes from, they have taken all of the languages of the nations, of all of the world, of all of history. And these linguists, these people who study languages have gone back to the roots of all of these languages. And guess what they have found? This just completely blows my mind. So there are about 50 families that if you count through in chapter 10 of Genesis and you count all of the families that come out of Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their offspring, it comes to about 50. Now get this. So when these linguists track back the root to the start of all of the languages in all of the nations across all of the world, guess how many languages they find for the root of all of the languages in the world? 50. They find about 50 languages. So right here, we can see, we can go back to the Bible and we can determine a couple of things. One, that God loves his children. And so he did not just um, <laughs> haphazardly just pow, bang, you know, zap people with all of these different languages. He did it systematically and he did it relationally. He gave these family groups their own language. So they had to once again come back to their family as their important and a foundational relationship to be able to understand each other and to be able to scatter abroad. He did that by family group. Isn't that amazing to see how much God loves us in that way? Um, and I just think that's uh, it's just so cool. And two, we can see from this account that, you know, a scientist and historians and all of these different people that try to, you know, find these root things and find a, a cause for the, you know, the effect for the cause, uh, a cause for the effect, excuse me. And so we can see that the Bible already, we already knew that. By looking at the Bible, we already knew that there would probably be about 50 languages and that is what they find. And so it's just so awesome. So if we go back to chapter 10 of Genesis, verse 31, listen to this. These are the descendants of Shem by their families, their languages, their lands, and their nations. Isn't that amazing? God is pretty brilliant. Okay, so let me give you another one. So if that doesn't excite you, turn to Joshua chapter 6. So this is the story of Joshua in the battle of Jericho. You know, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Okay, so look at chapter six. Okay, so I will refrain from reading the whole thing to you because it's a pretty remarkable story. And if you've never opened up your Bible to read it for yourself, if you've just ever read it through a children's Bible or just a Sunday school lesson, I would encourage you to read through the whole chapter and the chapters leading up to it because it is a miraculous story. 
God does not just part the Red Sea, but he also parted the Jordan River leading up to the Israelites going in and taking captive the city of Jericho. Okay, <laughs> this is so amazing. So um, historians, archaeologists, scientists, once again, so they have gone to the Tell, T-E-L, the the land mass that's uh it's a um a hill that has been made into a hill by um cities being built on top of each other and so they've gone in to where they know that Jericho sat and they have gone in and excavated excavated it right and so um these the people that have gone in these archaeologists have found amazing things they have found <laughs> They have found um, two walls. Okay, this just blew my mind. They found two walls. So the first wall that surrounded Jericho was actually a retaining wall. The retaining wall held the city, you know, the dirt and everything that the city was built up on. Um, it held it up on the hill. It held, helped held the city up together so that, you know, when rain came down, the it wouldn't be washed out underneath them, the dirt and all of that that held the city. So they had a retaining wall. Um, made of stone and and um, and in the excavations, it's there, this retaining wall. But on top of that retaining wall, they baked bricks and stacked the bricks up to make this first wall, okay? And so then inside that first wall was about an area of five square acres. So it, so it wrapped around the city and inside of that wall to the second wall, the actual real city wall, the fortified wall of Jericho, um, that wall sat inside the retaining wall. So when it says, <laughs> when it tells Joshua and the people, when God tells them, now you shall march around the city all of the warriors circling the city once, thus you, shall you do for six days with seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, the priests blowing the trumpets when they make a long, loud blast on the ram's horn. As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city will fall down flat, and all the people shall charge straight ahead okay so listen there are actually two walls so when you see that the when we've when i have sung as a as a child which i'm sure you have to the walls of jericho i would just think of the square walls right one two three four as like a rectangle or so i would think but no there were two walls there were actually two walls and so when they actually shouted, the brick walls came tumbling down. And so the Bible records that they actually went up into the city to take um, to take it captive. And they and God told them specifically to not take any gold. Uh, or no, excuse me, to not take anything. Okay, so look at verse 18. As for you, keep away from the things devoted to destruction so as not to covet 
and take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel an object uh, for destruction, bringing trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So he tells them, do not take anything. Well, so what happened? So this time of year was the harvest time. So the city of Jericho was well ready for this siege, even though it was very an odd siege to have people walking around your walls um, instead of just trying to find a way to come in and to take you captive. They had their own spring of water inside the walls of Jericho and it had just been harvest time. So they had huge bins of stored grain that they had just harvested from the fields. So they were ready to you know, like hunker down, hold out for a long time. Um, and so what they have found in these, in the dig of Jericho, these archaeologists have found um, vessels, <laughs> their jars full of grain and it is burnt. Well, God tells them to burn everything, to kill everything. And it says in verse 24, they burned down the city and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. So that's what they find. They find walls came down. The soldiers, the, the bricks actually made a ramp um, up from the retaining wall up into the city. And so they were able just to climb right up and into the city as the Bible describes from an eyewitness account. And then they burned it. And that's exactly what archaeologists find. Archaeologists find no grain, no grain touched. The, the bins are all full of grain and they are scorched, just like the Bible says that they would be. And then, okay, <laughs> and then verse 25, it says, But Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, Joshua spared. Now, remember that Rahab sheltered the spies that had come to um, that God had sent to go and look to stake out Jericho and so she had harbored those spies when the authorities from Jericho were after them so and and okay so there in with inside the retaining wall and inside the um the actual fortified wall of Jericho, people lived. And so Rahab, because of the line of work that she did, she was not allowed to live inside the city. So she actually did have a house that was against a wall that was against a wall that led to the outside. So she, her house was against the retaining wall. And she actually had a window inside the retaining wall that led them out to the north, to the mountains, where it said that they ran and fled these spies away from the Jericho authorities. And so um, guess what? <laughs> Archaeologists have found that on the north side, facing these mountains, that there is one section of the wall that was not knocked down. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Of course not, because Rahab was spared. Her family was spared. And so God knocked all of the walls 
there was not another part of the wall that was left untouched except for just that part of the northern wall. Isn't that amazing? Well, I could go on and on. There's other stories. In Daniel, it talks about uh, Gabriel coming to Daniel um, to help interpret a vision that he has. And he lays out what is going to happen 200 years later. And all of it came true. Alexander the Great, it predicted him coming into power, predicted several other people, and it was amazing. The Roman Empire, it predicted all of that. And 200 years before it actually happened. So amazing. Okay, so the last thing I want you to do is turn to Isaiah 43. This is one of my absolute favorite passages. So I just share those stories with you because we can know, we can know that we know that we know that we know that the Bible is true, that God does not lie, that his promises are for us and he is for us. He is not against us and he loves us so dearly. And this is what I love about Isaiah 43 um, because God tells us who he is and he reminds us of who he says that we are as his daughter's in Christ. And so open it up and let's read it together. But now thus says the Lord, he create he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burdened, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. And he goes on to tell us just how much he has given and he says that I say to the north, give them up and to the south, do not withhold, bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Isn't that amazing? So I want you to rest in this truth. I want you to know that you can have strength in the Lord to be strong for him now in your youth. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be um, like the world tries to define youth today that, that you are okay if you have a rebellious streak that, oh, she'll grow out of it. No, you don't have to live that way. You can live strong for the Lord in your faith today and tomorrow. And so as we go seeking the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord in your youth, you will most definitely be led to be strong in your decisions, helping you to walk in the Lord's strength. And in all of this, in all of this, your first step is simply to choose that this is what you desire, to be strong for the Lord in your strength. Now, we're out of time for today. We will continue searching for wisdom from God's word about being strong in the Lord in your youth. And 
said, I have some wonderful examples of my favorite young people in the Bible uh, and also um, some favorite young people from our modern day history that I cannot wait to share their stories with you just as an encouragement and to uplift us and to, you know, just give us a bolster of wisdom for how we are to live strong for the Lord in our youth. So until we meet here again, live to be known as a girl after God's own heart. See you next time. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you were encouraged in your walk with the Lord. We are all in this together. Remember, it's all for God's girls. Now, if you would like to leave a comment or a question, you may do that by visiting anchor.fm forward slash for God's girls. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash for God's girls. See you next time.